Hello everybody and welcome to the Uninformed Handball Hour. It's the three Irish boys back in town. And uh, I often see online that people can't tell us apart. So there's only one guy who's benefiting from that. And that's me, Alex Kulesh, joined by Chris O'Reilly and Brian Captain. <laughs> How are you, boys? <laughs> to, to be clear, to be clear, let's make this clear, because most people probably did think that was Alex Kulesh, but... Niche. Very niche. I was like, we've done this joke before. Well, how is Brian going to go with it? <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's good. So the World Championship starting three opening days. I'm pumped for. I, I love opening days, and we got three of them, so I'm extra hyped for it. <laughs> C- can someone explain the concept of three opening days? Well, Alex, three hosts, three opening days. Simple as that. Perhaps. Yeah, yeah, but. <laughs> <laughs> is it <laughs> well I think uh, I think for the first time we have three hosts uh, with three very strong TV markets so maybe it does for the opening like maybe they're thinking yeah for the opening round they they separate uh, all three hosts and give as much TV exposure as possible I don't know it's the world championship the IHF allow these things to happen you know Norway Norway's group and uh Group uh, G with Brazil, Spain, Ukraine, and Kazakhstan will just finish earlier than everyone else. That's, <laughs> I mean, okay, that's fine, I guess. <laughs> Maybe the grand plan for Norway to uh, eventually go and win this championship. We were releasing this one actually on Thursday morning because uh, we're going to speak to Anja Borg from Norway's TV2 on Thursday morning after the opening game uh, for Norway. So it's a little bit of a preview review but focusing mostly on the preview because I don't think we're going to learn too much on the handball side of things uh, from the opening games today. But we are going to look at groups A to D and at the end of them, all three of us making our predictions for the championship as well. Shall we start from the top? Sure. Group A, Sweden, Croatia, China and Senegal. What are your opening thoughts on that, Brian? Well, I think... This Group B along with Group B, which we're talking about in a little bit, is a little bit reminiscent to 2021 when we had, you're going to have one team that gets through from this group, which is going to be a bit of a, a bit of a, an easy ride for the main round. And I'm presuming here, it's probably going to be probably China that gets through. Well, China or Senegal, I don't know. Can you guys pick apart who, who's going to take that third spot? I think you're sleeping on Senegal here. I think right. you're, you're underestimating Senegal quite a bit here. Okay. They're a team filled with you know, pretty good players playing in France, including a player who's also played for France. Nyasan uh, Nyombla? Am I saying that right? Uh, but, yeah, your guess is as good as mine, but <laughs> Nyombla, I guess, is, is the right one. Yeah. Uh, what a player to, to, to have come in. Olympic silver medalist in 2016 in uh, Rio de Janeiro. He was playing with France until uh, 2019. Uh, I don't know exactly what a connection to Senegal is. But yeah, Nyombla playing for Senegal uh, four years after 
last playing for for France. And uh, yeah, if if we're lucky, I might be able to try and chat to her in uh, in Gothenburg over the next week and maybe get a little bit of insight into um, into her move there. But uh, she's part of the team, and uh, as you mentioned, Alex, a bunch of players playing in in France and some other uh, decent teams in Europe, and a lot of players who've uh, grown up in France as well, uh, who, who've come through the, let's say, the French handball system, uh, played for under-19 teams, played for big clubs. So it's probably not going to be your classic um, African style of handball in that sense, probably a bit more of a French style uh, in how they play. And I was looking back at the last time they were in the World Championship in 2019, and they ran teams like Montenegro and Romania pretty close, like losing by you know three, four, five goals uh, in some of those games. So, yeah, I think I would put them put them ahead of China, and maybe. Um, well, is it time to start doubting Croatia <laughs> again? I ask you, boys. <laughs> <laughs> I have an answer on Nyambla. Uh, Nyambla essentially she is of Senegalese descent, born in France, but to Senegalese parents, and. She hasn't played for France since 2019, which is the three years uh, you need to switch uh, allegiances. She has, you know, the Senegalese passport and everything. So she is able to switch allegiances to Senegal and try to push them towards a bigger result for the African team. She was the all-star uh, centre-back in the African uh, Cup of Nations where Senegal ended up finishing third, but they really pushed Angola to extra time in, in, in the semi-final. So making a big difference, um, a real star. And I think you can't underestimate what it means to have a player of that quality join a team with potential, but definitely a lower level. Um, I think Senegal will be looking to pick off Croatia this time around. It is huge for them to have uh, someone like Niambla in the in their ranks there. It's interesting to think what's going to happen with with Croatia because obviously Croatia, that bronze medal from a few years ago, does seem a bit like an anomaly. But they are a fairly settled squad as well, so I think it it could be it could be a very very tight game, and it's tricky to know. I mean, Croatia have looked decent uh, in the the friendlies coming in here. They've they beat Montenegro. They've looked fairly okay coming into it, and it's the same old squad we've come to. To know and love, and not too many changes there. So I reckon, yeah, that could be it. Could be a tight game between them and Senegal and China for second spot, of course. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, China. I have no idea what to expect. To be honest, I uh, still have to do my homework on them before uh, the opening match on Friday. Yeah, always an interesting challenge uh, with having all those names and players that I don't know. So. Uh, if you want some real entertainment on Friday evening, uh, follow me as I commentate on China's opening game of the championship. Uh, no, uh, it'll be fine. Won't be as tough as as the uh, the joint North and South Korean team I had to do in their opening game of the men's world championship in 2019. That was a challenge. In our last episode, Chris, we kind of briefly talked about Sweden and you weren't that excited about them which is a bit unusual to hear maybe I misunderstood you but you didn't seem that pumped about their chances this time out I mean looking at their their squad I mean obviously some some really good players in there you have Johanna Bunsen and goal Lynn Blum Jamina Roberts which is your your personal favourite Chris Natalie Hagman in there who's probably probably going to end up top scorer again I'd imagine looking at some of their some of their ties 
um, but you're not overly convinced. There's a lot of decent players in the team. The goalkeeper department looks all right, but I'm not 100% uh, convinced by. Like, Jana Bunsen, uh, now playing in Sevahoff, isn't maybe the same uh, star that she was. Someone who's quite quite exciting is Irma Huat from ECAS. We talked about her earlier in the season. She had a very good start to the season uh, in goal in the Champions League. And then Evelina Eriksson, um, probably the third choice, as we mentioned, you know, those Chesame Bucharesti goalkeepers, they're, uh, they're they're handy to have ready just in case. So, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a better goalkeeper department than they've had before. And every position seems all right, but there's, um, I'd say on the line, they have two world-class players in Lynn Blom and Adel Logrovist and a left-back, Emina Roberts. T-Rax there was a player we talked about a lot about last year at the Women's Euro um, as she kind of had a breakout game against Denmark. But I don't know whether she's ready to kind of take take the next step and become a, a regular star for them. I would say they have a a relatively good path. Like they have a real chance of getting to the semi-final, but and we'll go into the predictions later. I don't don't know 100% whether they're they're going to pick up a medal, but if they get into the semi-final then of course you have a chance. So it's it's all right. This it's not you know, it's missing a, a Bella Gildan. I'd just be used to seeing seeing them over the years with someone like her. But like it's it's Yamina Roberts not on that level. She uh, she is, but as a left back, I think. I don't know. They, I th- they're I think missing they need, a playmaker. Um, they're missing a, like the same level of playmaker and a right back as well. I think a right back is a real uh, wild card position for them. They have two uh, very young players, 21 and 23, the two Ninas, who I think have shown a lot of potential but haven't delivered yet at international level. So, yeah, I think uh, that's a little bit of a, a worry. And last year we saw that as well at the Euro, that they were just lacking a little bit of... that's extra special uh, play in, in the backcourt and Yamina Roberts can't do it all on her own but to be clear they're going to be 4-0 for yeah. the group no 3-0 sorry 3-0 oh yeah yeah, I yeah. think so I think they'll, they'll yeah <laughs> the thing is they, they have one of the best quarters of the competition that shouldn't be a problem for them maybe I'll get more excited by them as the competition goes on but um, they'll have more than enough I think to to sweep the groups Um they do have hunger in Group B. We'll talk about it later, and that's they're a bit of a bogey side for Sweden. One point on it is, and I think you touched on it, Chris, that Sweden's core team has just a ceiling, which we've seen, and that's kind of fifth place, which they were yeah. in Euro twenty twenty two. It's you know that core team of Nemina Roberts, uh, Blum, Hagman, Yanni Carlson. They're all very very good players, and. Robert's probably mo- a bit more than that, but they're just not quite there to challenge for medals. But they do have these talented young players coming through, which, as you mentioned, Axner, um, Nina Kopang, Nina Dano. But they're just a little bit too young to make an impact right now. It's it's just, I don't think it it's exactly right for them. You know, those those young players can really jump out and, and take a step in this tournament and push Sweden to a a medal, but I, I it's unlikely. Um, so it's just a slight mismatch. And 
it feels like it's never going to line up perfectly for this Swedish team um, because, you know, in the next tournaments, the next, after the Olympics, you're going to have a few players drop out. Still a very talented team, still going to be really good, really competitive against all the big teams, but eventually lose. That just seems to be the Swedish way. <laughs> uh, more of that towards the end because of who they might face in the quarterfinal. But um, particularly in women's competitions, though, the, these kind of young, talented players young talented players could um, could break out a bit kind of more unexpectedly than in the men's competition. So there, there's still that hope. Nina Kopang, by the way, is uh, her sister is Stina Blackstenius, the uh, Sweden and Arsenal striker in uh, football. A little tidbit for you all there. All right. Group B. Group B. Hungary, our favourite uh, team to hype up every time uh, a tournament rolls around and remember, always disappointed. But isn't it really time now that this team stepped up and just did more than maybe shock one team in the tournament and kind of and kind of grab the tournament by the scruff of the neck. But when you look at the squad, I see the same problem every single time when I look at the Hungary, Hungary squad. I don't really see any true big leaders or big personalities in there. And I feel like they turn to Katrin Kloiber so much, who at 24 is maybe turned into that kind of character, but isn't, I think, fully there yet. And it's a, it's a very, very young squad, actually, when you do look at it. There's nobody over... How can they still be young? How, <laughs> how are Hungary young every year? What happens to Hungarian women at the age of 25? No, but I'm saying... I would have they said they've disappeared to the they've ether? one player over 30. <laughs> And so just like the the mean average age here is quite it's quite mid twenties, which I think is probably good for them. Young in that regard. We're not talking about some of the other squads who have six players over. I think Denmark have six players over thirty. Oh, no, you're right. Um, yeah. yeah. So maybe right. not young, but maybe mid. Do you understand where I'm coming from with the kind of the maybe lack? I think uh, Blanca Bureau maybe has a bit of that leadership personality, but obviously she's in goal. But when you look at the the starting team, it's a lot of very nice players and I feel like there may be there may need someone in there that's a bit more of a bit more of a badass one way of like judging the quality of this team is to check how many like Gure players they have because Gure is only going to have a, a Hungarian player when she's good enough to be uh, in the squad and really they, they have two Gure Lukas and Jalzai Schatzel the two hardest names in world handball on the wings, um, but n- no back players um, playing for Dior. Quite a few FTC players, but still. Well, both, both the players you mentioned as well also came from FTC, and they always, for me, always felt more like FTC players than Dior players. But one player which I think I'm genuinely very excited about, who I saw a lot over the summer, is is Petra Simon. She obviously was MVP of the under-19s Euro and absolutely looked like miles better or head and shoulders above all the other players at that at that uh, UT Euro and obviously we've seen her playing for FTC this season and just an incredible one against one player like I mean she's going to be their their huge star of the future just like a player that can score you a goal from absolutely nothing so I think maybe not right now but she's going to be like the, the main the main go-to person for them in years to come and it's going to be very interesting to see how she's going to perform now at this level but she is definitely one too one to watch, like a very, very exciting talent. Any FTC fans know what kind of quality she brings 
and it's going to be exciting to see her develop over the next year or two. And this could be her springboard now into into a lot of people's into a lot of people's minds. Almost certainly going to get a, get a fair bit of time because Petra Vamos is the only other playmaker in the team. Yeah. And going back to what uh, <laughs> you're saying about this team being so young, she's 23 and has over 50 caps already. So I, I'd still have Hungary then to, to obviously top that group. Probably followed them by probably followed them by Montenegro, but. I think when you look at the Montenegro squad, with them losing, obviously, Radicevic, who retired from ham, or from, from international handball, Jokovic also is injured. They've kind of lost a lot of their more recognisable names. So you look at their squad now, you have Etana Gribic, obviously, who's still there. And you have maybe Pletikozic. I know some people recognise that name from her time at Zagreb and a few other places. You have Rajic in goal, uh, Batinovic also in goal. So good goalkeeper duo there. But after that... I think the quality does drop off a good bit. So they obviously lost in to Croatia in their friendlies on the way. And so, I mean, you know what you're going to get with this Montenegro team. It's going to be a lot of fight. But I think in terms of star quality, they've kind of dropped off a good bit, haven't they? They have. But uh, we saw last year just what the, you know, the pure determination can can bring this team, you know, uh, getting as far as the semifinal is a very different scenario this time. But I think the hunt for Olympic qualification places is going to drive a team like this as well because it is, again, it's still a little bit of an end of a generation for some players on the team. So, yeah, I mean, goalkeeper department, they're looking good. Uh, You know, Gerbic in the centre-back position, I think, is is fantastic. Um, And then they have have solid players in, in most positions. Um, but yeah, the the star power is really is really dropped off. Uh, I agree with you in that sense. The, they can't repeat what happened uh, in the Euros uh, where they got that bronze. There was just so much. Uh, I know we say you know that they're always going to have that fire, but it was it was an extra level. Uh, you know, Radicevic, um being the the driver of all that. She she's gone. I think. Jokovic is still injured, right? She's not going to be playing. So she she's a huge loss for Montenegro. You know, she is their go-to back player when things are going wrong. And I still remember in that, was it the bronze medal game? Where she was just, like, she was completely destroyed. But she kept getting hit. At one stage, she got, like, a really hard hit came crying off the court through pain and exhaustion, came back on and scored. And it's just like, that's, you know, you can't just replace that type of absolute insanity. (laughs) That and Radicevic, you know, that's not going to be replaced. I think this is going to be a little bit of a case of um, Croatia, like a couple of years ago where they had that really good Euro and then the next world championship, they they really failed because the they couldn't replicate the the same level of intensity. So I, I see that happening with Montenegro this time around. Then we have Cameroon and Paraguay uh, rounding off Group B. Cameroon, the the team that had four players disappear two years ago uh, in Spain, and then nobody really talked about that again. That might be <laughs> worth that might be worth revisiting at some point over the championship. But yeah, hard to know exactly where 
where they are. I mean, they have a lot of debutants, it seems, uh, in the squad. Uh, I think still hadn't uh, confirmed the final squad, so it's hard to know exactly uh, who's going to be in there. And uh, Paraguay, who uh, Laura spoke to us about uh, a couple of days ago, where, and she seemed quite uh, up in them, right, Brian? Seemed quite uh, excited about what they might deliver. So potentially uh, a victory on the cards for them over Cameroon. A victory on the cards, perhaps, and then become the absolute whipping girls for the for the main round. Uh, remains to be seen. But I, yeah, she was was a bit cagey about the tie against Cameroon. She felt maybe the physicality yeah. might might have a big influence there on that on that tie. So it'll be it'll definitely be an interesting head to head. I'd probably yeah. still probably pick uh, Cameroon for that one. Group C. Uh, we'll speak more about it uh, later with Anya in the podcast. Just one thing, and we'll get Anya's view on it, but uh, Norway could be tricking us in the goalkeeper department. Uh, Silja Solberg, after having not played since February, giving birth in August, doing as all strong Norwegian handball players do, coming back just in time for a major championship and is named in the uh, as one of three goalkeepers for the squad with Katrina Lunda not match fit yet, but ready when and if she's needed. It's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> oh. it's, uh, <laughs> the one weakness. The one, the one weakness. weakness. Uh, and we that may, one we weakness being Marie Davidson. Marie Davidson, Alex. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Might have been her chance at last. She's like, here oh, we go. She must be raging. Can you imagine that? You were like, oh, surely now there's no way she's going to come back now. She just gave birth. <laughs> and then out from the ashes. No, I'm here. Celia Solberg with a new surname. Celia Solberg, Ussel Hassel. I actually butchered that. <laughs> Chris, can you try it? Estasol. <laughs> yes. Estasol. <laughs> Just throw it in extra ah, syllables. Yeah. There, right? you, gave it, you, you gave it good Norwegian energy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like yeah, that. That's true. <laughs> the squad is pretty damn good. huh? More youngsters. Some of the same youngsters as well who we came across last year. Uh, some of whom we're a bit more familiar with uh, than we were this time last year. It's yeah, yeah. I, it's just compa- I mean, Henny. So Henny Rice, that is not fully fit. Yes, uh, I think she will be, but uh, no better tournament yeah, to get fully anyway. fit than the World Championship. Though a nice few warm up matches, you know, <laughs> come in, ease yourself into it. I mean, just what I was saying about Hungary as well. Here, when you compare it with this Norwegian squad, they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten players over the age of thirty, and one obviously at forty-three. Big difference there, but yeah, a bit maybe a bit of mileage in this. In this squad now, um, but yeah, still very hard to when you pick at any position or you look at any position. Just their their bench options are just even so incredible. What do we think of South Korea? Yeah, I was going to ask uh, you guys the same question. I th- my thought on South Korea is that it's an Olympic year, and so South Korea are ready to show up. Uh, remember what they did uh, four years ago in Japan, where they were like in-flight goaling the hell out of everyone, Kempas everywhere, uh, scaring the crap out of anyone who faced them. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited to see what they come up with. Uh, I think they they should be like the clear second-best team in this group. Henrik Signell is their coach, who is a former Sweden national team coach. Uh, we know that Kim Rasmussen had a go at it uh, last year as well. Uh, but wasn't happy with how the South Koreans were training. 
like the approach to training and so they, they were over training over training yeah the, the, that was yeah. the issue so yeah let's see i i honestly i don't know what to make of them until i see them i again have not seen them didn't play many games since the last world championship against european opposition um they've competed in the, the, the asian championships have done well but uh lost to japan uh which uh japan seemed to be emerging as a handball powerhouse yeah. on both the men's and the women's side which is great to see and got destroyed by france in a friendly game and i think that does dampen my 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 spirits i, I think that game against france where they lost 36 19 South Korea can be a team that can surprise the real big girls in, in the competition. They can surprise the big teams. And losing by, you know, almost 20 goals to France doesn't give me too much hope that they'll compete at the highest, highest level. But let's see. I, I suppose I just had more hopes of them being almost a medal threat. Um, but it seems unlikely. Unlike Greenland, who are going to be a medal threat in the President's Cup, huh? <laughs> hey, yeah. yeah, I'm excited. Second time ever, to see Greenland. Second time ever at a World Championship. Second time ever. I just, I'm excited to see what uh, what they can come up with. Like they, they snatched their spot by just they beat Canada. Was it like 17, 16? Wasn't it <laughs> yeah. the final of the the qualification uh, to get this spot? So, uh, yeah, we can expect some uh, defiance in defense. A little bit worried that a few of the players play for uh, Silkeborg's second team, and uh, one of them is playing in, in Faroe Island. So that, it's, it's an interesting mix of players, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just ready to see what, what they come up with. I don't know what else to say at this point. Ready to see them get absolutely hockeyed for the whole competition. Yeah, you think they're the, you think they're the worst uh, team? They really could be. I think there's some Nordic defiance in there. Just that won't allow them. That won't allow that to happen. Yeah, they were close with Canada. Imagine if if it was Canada in this group. How would we yeah, be looking at fair. it? Uh, yeah. Austria. Any thoughts, Brian? Austria. I mean, I saw Austria play obviously a bit in the in the Euro Cup, um, and yeah, I think they're 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 fairly well organized. Sonia Frey obviously is a tricky character to deal with. They have the Panza, two sisters in there who actually I was quite impressed with. They're both backcourt players, both playing um, uh, for Podravka, and I think they were fairly fairly tidy players. So I think they're they're decent also in the backcourt. So I think their backcourt is fairly decent. But you have them against South Korea. I, I'm not really sure in terms of kind of maybe hectic style of South Korea offer. Are they going to be able to deal with that? It might be a bit of a bit of a tough out, outing for them but I mean wouldn't be out of this world if they also took se took second place in the group either and now it's time for our interview and we've brought in TV2 Norway's Anja Borg to speak to us uh, all about the opening day of the championship in Stavanger and all the big topics that we've been talking about regarding Norway their quest for another world championship gold Please say good morning to Anja Borg, who's joining us from Stavanger. And uh, there was just the opening games of the championship uh, in Stavanger last night. Uh, it's the morning after the, the grand opening. I think the, the result was never in doubt. In the end, a 43-11 win over Greenland. But uh, 
it seemed like a nice uh, occasion nevertheless there what was your take on it uh, yeah definitely i think all the norwegian journalists were sitting with all the different like records and stuff like okay are they gonna break anything <laughs> what is gonna happen but no it was a really nice uh, night yesterday it was so much fun to watch greenland and their fans they were like two three hundred uh, fans in in the arena and they were going crazy and cheering on their team and the Greenland team were so excited to be there so it was really really nice to just watch the game and see them being back in the world championship after 22 years it means a lot for these girls so yeah it was a, it's a it was a good start we've talked about this a few times on the podcast here but because we feel like for on the international front the build up to the tournaments have been quite 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 quiet but how has it been in Norway? Obviously, I was host, obviously, probably a bigger focus. And what's the build-up been like to the tournament? Well, uh, for the Norwegian girls, they played three games, uh, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, before they met up in Stavanger on Monday. So they played uh, Poland, Iceland and Angola uh, in Lillehammer and Hamar, two like, bit smaller cities in Norway. Um People love the Norwegian handball girls, so they want to watch them live. And they also want to watch them on TV. So well, there were a lot of uh, articles about them, especially about Katrine Lunde. Is she ready? Silje Solberg Östkassel, is she ready? Uh, we thought no, but she was ready. Uh, so there were, and <laughs> of course, Henny Reistal, that was also a topic. So there were a lot of interest around these girls before the championship as well. We'll go on to the goalkeeper uh, non-crisis uh, as well in a little bit uh, because that was something we, we were talking about a lot. But in terms of hosting a championship for Norway, only a couple of years ago we were supposed to have the European Championship uh, co-hosted by Norway. That didn't work out during COVID. And as you said, people in Norway love the, this women's team. It is like a Christmas tradition to see them uh, go and win gold. But having a, a good chunk of the championship at home uh, must be quite special in that regard then. Uh, and is it kind of living up to the, the expectations of uh, from what you saw last night with the, the occasion? Yeah, definitely. Um, the arena was actually not completely full yesterday, uh, but I think they played against Greenland yesterday. So I think it it's kind of it's going to be different in Tudelheim when they probably are going to meet France in the last game before the quarterfinals. Um, but people are excited. Uh, it's really fun. And you've seen like in up in Tilmheim, the handball people have really been brought up to life uh, because of Cole Stahl. They've really like gotten people interested in handball. Um, so I feel like the Norwegians, they really, really want to see them, the women live, but of course, we would love to have the finals in Norway, but we don't have a big enough arena, so that kind of that kind of sucks. <laughs> so the fans want to see them live, but maybe also get their autograph after the game. Is that, <laughs> is that possible? <laughs> Are they sticking to this? Uh, the thing is that in uh, in the pre games or in Lillehammer and Hamad, they had these autograph cards that they were like uh, that they were giving out, and then they took selfies actually just with the distance. And I actually, I had to run down to the mix zone after the game last night. So I don't actually know what they did. Uh, but uh, the days before, they actually took 
they took the pictures, they took the selfies, but they didn't actually write the autographs, but they gave out the cards. They did, they did something, but yeah. not not the same as the other teams, no. It is always funny, particularly in, in Scandinavian media and seeing the Danes and the Swedes' reaction to, to that. It's like they look for look for something to pick on when it comes to their Norwegian friends. And uh, like also there was, you know, the comparisons to the men, like they were, you were talking to the men's doctors, you were like uh, trying to find any angle possible on it. I, is it a bit more like, or has it been made more of a deal than it actually is in the end, do you think? Or has the team maybe taken a step back from that after they've seen the reaction? It's hard to say, but I think that uh, well, for me, I saw the men's or I saw the saw the women's team in October where they didn't do anything of this, like either selfies or autographs, uh, because it was two months until the championship, and then uh, so, like a month later, the guys uh, did the exact opposite. So we were standing there, like, wait, isn't it this, the same the same national team? But. <sighs> It's Picking hard to up say. children I, and hugging them. <laughs> I know. No, but the the women's team, you can't like you can't arrest them on anything because they've they they've won it all. So they're doing something right. Uh, and just before the championship, two of the girls were actually sick. So now they're they're good again. But it's hard to say. I've there's so much like sickness going around, so I can understand it, but I don't know if it's the right approach. Is that reflected in your your media work with them in terms of interviews or in the mix zone? Are they taking also also taking a step back there, or is there no difference? Uh, actually, the media calls like today or the day before the Greenland game was outside, mm. so we can. But I don't like and in the mix zone. It was kind of it wasn't a big big mix zone, but uh, they're not like standing two meters away from me. Um, but we're trying to keep the distance as as much as possible but yeah maybe and that's kind of nice that we can be outside we're norwegian so we like the cold so it's fine but uh, it was it was really cold the day before the greenland game but yeah no it, it works fine uh, actually could you talk to us a little bit about this um goalkeeper gate or lack of goalkeepers that we've the saga we've been through uh, over the last few uh, days that Celia Solberg was was out, then she was back in again, and it was. Uh, I think just we were talking about it. We fo- we thought we'd noticed maybe a weakness in the Norway squad, but all of a sudden that was then evaporated once uh, Celia Solberg has <laughs> come back into the fray. Yeah. So uh, when Tori presented the team before for when was that in the beginning of November, I think I don't remember. Yeah, he uh, told us that Katrina Lunde was out, uh, but she was on the team, but we didn't know if she was going to uh, be ready or not. But Celia Solberg, she was, she hadn't played a game. It wasn't like um, she was far away. And then suddenly, before the before the Iceland game, we got a text message. Okay, she's she's in. <laughs> We're like, wait, what? She's in. She hasn't played a game, but she's back and she's in this and uh, I think the game against Iceland and the game against Poland was really important for her just to like be in the be in the game being with the team just well she got hit, hit in the face right away so she was back and I back. asked her back, yeah. did you did you miss this and she was like no but <laughs> it's nice to be back 
Um, and Katrine Lunde, she actually arrived yesterday. She's the longest, so I'm uh, I'm talking to her today. So uh, I asked also Turid last night what like the status on her was, and he he told me that they're taking it day by day. Uh, she's training fine, so she'll she'll come along. So everyone wow. in Norway, we love our goalkeepers. Uh, everyone knows Katrine Lunde. Everyone knows Silje Solberg. Uh, we know what we get from them. Uh, just see if we look at the past two finals in the European Championship and the World Championship. They've just, yeah, they're so good. And they're so, I don't know. I don't know what we'd, we'd do without them. So everyone panicked a little bit, but now it's fine. Everyone but Maria Davison, who wasn't panicking, but now she might be panicking again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the case because uh, Maria Davidson and Olivia Lykkenigård, uh, they were one and two. And then Silje Solberg was back and now they're two and three. And if Katrina goes in, they're going to be three and four. So it's like all or nothing for, the, for these yeah. two goalies. I saw a picture from last night of Maria Davidson just sitting on the... You know, sitting in the stands with uh, Nora Marcus being rested, Katrina London not yet in, and I'm just thinking like, ah, uh, you know, it's it's so close. I'm sure she'll get a chance to play, but yeah, it's uh, to fall down the pecking order so quickly for you know. I, I, we were saying as well, it's not not a disaster if she was the first choice goalkeeper. Still, you know, uh, very high international class player, but. That's uh, that's life in between the posts for Norway. Uh, tell us uh, anything else you you can tell us about the the squad itself. Um, you know the the younger players seem to be really embedded in. A lot of them were thrown in last year, the European Championship, but now they're becoming a bit more familiar. Um, anything you that really stands out for you among the players in the squad this time? If we take a look at the game last night, you have Kristina Novak. She's from this town, from the city, from Stavanger. Uh, it was really nice to see her yesterday because she's uh, suffered from a thumb injury. The whole, like, she played her first game, I think it was October 18th. Um, so she's been out. She was really stressed out. Uh, she really wanted to to join the squad for the World Championship. She was in the European Championship last year, didn't get a lot of, of time on the court, but it was really fun watching her last night, uh, being back, uh, just being fearless, actually, just <laughs> doing what she does best. And now we have a new girl, uh, Maya Furu-Sathen. She plays in Larvik, and she's the top scorer in the Norwegian League. She is insane for uh, for Lodvik. She has 101 goals in 11 matches. Wow. That's like an average on 9.2 or something like that. Uh, and she's, she's so young. She's the future uh, for this national team. And she's here to just get like the references, getting to learn the girls, getting to learn, like learn the whole, uh, the whole drill. But, she played yesterday, also scored five goals. <laughs> and it was, uh, no, it was really fun. And it's so much fun to watch these young girls just letting their shoulders down and doing what they do in their clubs. Um, so, um, and we'll see how much they get to play uh, the rest of the championship. But um, maybe against South Korea and against uh, Austria, but we'll see. 
And in, in um, Norwegian media, who are, like, what's the general opinion? And who are Norwegian fans scared of most? I mean, I know you're not scared of anybody, but who, who would you be scared <laughs> of most when you look at some of the other teams in the competition? I think uh, Denmark, definitely. Uh, Denmark in a final in Denmark, all the crazy Danes. Um, they have three really good goalies as well. Um, so I think Denmark is is uh, who we fear the most. France, you never know. Uh, Sweden are <laughs> our brothers or our sisters, but I think Denmark is like our um, our biggest fear. But I think the Norwegian people are pretty confident about this uh, championship, especially if Katrina Lunde joins the team again. Then we can just relax a bit, but. You never know. Denmark can really can really surprise us. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited about Denmark in particular this time, and it's going to be in Denmark uh, the final as well, which is well might mean something, it might not. But uh, as you Anya also uh, host the podcast on TV Two with the commentators there, you know that these things are always about making uh, predictions that we can come back and haunt you with later at the end. Uh, where we've done the same, so. Before we let you go, your gold, silver, bronze, and whether or not Henny Reistad is the MVP. Oof. That's a tough one. We actually had a prediction podcast now, so I can just like lean on our expert. But uh, we had the Poland coach Arne Semsta in as well, and they actually uh, said two different things on the bronze medal. But uh, gold, Norway. Silver, Denmark. I'm going to say bronze medal Sweden this time. It's going to hunt me down It's gonna if it's going to be yeah. France, but it's okay. That's fine. Your MVP for the championship? I think if uh, Henry Reista, she suffered a bit from injuries now uh, before the championship, but she was back yesterday, and I think, yeah, I'm going to put Henry Reista there. If Norway win, it's hard to argue against her being the, the main reason why. But uh, that's fantastic. Uh, Anya, thank you so much for joining us. I know you have a, a, a media call in about 45 minutes, so I'll let you uh, get ready for that. Uh, enjoy the rest of the championship and probably catch you uh, in the final weekend in Herning, right? Yep, I'll be there. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much, Anya Borg. On to Group D then. Final group of this second preview podcast. And it's... Uh, if two teams went through, it could be considered almost a group of death. But three teams are going through. But still, important games in this group between uh, France, Slovenia, Angola, and Iceland. What do you think of this group, guys? Any potential shocks on the horizon? Angola, also a team who, who focus very much on peaking for the, the Olympics. So this is a big one for them. Well, remember Angola, the, was it the last one when they drew, had that draw with Slovenia? If I remember correctly. So they do have a result in them. And I think, I mean, they must be fancying themselves maybe against Iceland as well. And then obviously playing Slovenia again. So there'll be a bit of a bit of old memories there for this uh, Slovenia side. So I think it's definitely a very interesting, uh, definitely a very interesting group. I'm also intrigued to see what kind of state this French team is going to be in. Because when you look at it, you know, they've, they've quality everywhere. But I don't really hear anyone talking about the French team at all. People don't seem to give them... Uh, any type of shout about getting to the final but when you look at the squad they have I mean 
the, all the, the names in there. Someone like Chloe Valentini is absolutely tearing it up in the in the Champions League as well. I saw her playing, playing for Mets there only two weeks ago and she looked in incredible form. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of shape they're in because they have brought in some of those younger players now as well, especially Sarah Boutit. She on, on the line is uh, is someone which a lot of a lot of people are talking about that she's going to be the mainstay in the years to come uh, on the French line there. So now that uh, now that aging uh, line player Pauletta Foppa <laughs> at twenty two is yeah, true. Uh, is getting past her best. True, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of scary actually. When you look at that 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 duo for the next ten years. It's not bad. I can't believe Foppa's still twenty two. No, nah, that's wild, isn't it? That is wild. She has yeah. seventy one appearances for France. And 179 goals. If you said to me she was 26, I would, I'd believe you. That's incredible. France have not lost a game since uh, the European Championship last year, including their really fun game against Latvia, which finished 55-8. I don't know. that uh, Have they not been getting the hype for a medal? I think France should always be right there. No, it's just a lot, a lot of the, the things I'm seeing online, there's a lot of people saying it's going to be a Norway-Denmark final. That's just what I'm seeing a lot, like, you know, or people you talk to, it seems to be very much, it's going to be Norway-Denmark and it's going to be, yeah, either one of them's taking the gold. It's just, yeah, maybe just, maybe not as quite as much as I've heard in the past about, about French teams coming up. But, but, but uh, the yeah. French women's but, team is a little bit similar to the Spanish men's team in championships. Mm, yeah. The fact that they're... It is actually, yeah. Always a little bit underestimated, um, and they always get a medal. That's, that's they just uh, over yeah. the last uh, what five six years they've they've continually surprised. I don't know if you can keep calling it a surprise when they're right at the top, but yeah, I, I think this Norway Denmark rivalry is just so interesting. Um, the fact that Denmark haven't been able to get get past their their neighbors that i think that's why everyone wants a uh denmark norway final and denmark to win it and i don't say that as a as a denmark fan but i think you know everyone is willing this danish team to finally get over the hump yeah. um and for france it's a team that's that's done it many times um i think ha- it's old news. Isn't it's it, old almost? news. They're, exactly. They're they, they've been consistently so good for so long that yeah. it's kind of, and, and they've yeah. already gotten. You know, they've beaten Norway. It's not like France have a, you know, boogeyman on their back who's uh, boogeymans don't hang out on backs. They usually hang out under beds. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> go with, go with it. Go with it. I like it. I like it. The, the Norwegian yeah. boogeyman gets really close to you. <laughs> Yeah, um, it really does. This team, this team has very few weaknesses. I think they are, the only problem position is maybe right back because uh, they only have Laura Flip, who uh, is transitioned from being a right winger to a right back. So they have and uh, Ocean Cersia Nugalan is is out of the oh, squad. Oh, she's out of the squad. Um, she? Yeah, she's uh, she's out and been replaced by a left back in Deborah Lasor. Mm. So, but they have a lot of they have a lot of choices. Um, out there, you know, I mean, you could see someone like Estela Zeminko, for example, just playing right back for the whole tournament, uh, as she's done for Dürer. And they also have Grassadi and Melanino Candy as, uh, at centre-back. So they have so many choices. 
which has come back to haunt them in the past. Remember we talked about the the World Championship final two years ago uh, when Norway came back to beat France in that final uh, and France just tried a new playmaker every two minutes because it wasn't working. Uh, so t- too spoiled for choice uh, can can come back to haunt them perhaps. But, yeah, but it's also also Oliver Cromwell's last World Championship, isn't it? He's retiring then after... <laughs> After the Olympics, so. I don't. I don't believe no? that. I, he, I thought he retired about ten years ago. So he's uh, keeps coming back. I got one more in uh, me. <laughs> he's got one more in him. That's for sure. It's like that meme. Uh, yeah, I like. I like the squad. Um, the goalkeeper department as well. Like that's something we thought maybe they they would have problem with with um, you know the the retirements and injuries and pregnancies. They they always seem to have, but the trio. It's a bit like Norway. The trio they have at the moment uh, is very promising with uh, Glauser, uh, Depuise, uh from Mets, who I, I think we all all believe is an exciting prospect, and uh, Sacco, yeah. also from Mets. So that's that's a pretty good position. They've got some amazing line players. Every position except the, the right back is like rock solid. So no reason why they can't go. Um all the way, yeah. At at modern handball as well. You don't need final. the right back. He just switched them all up, don't you? Anyway, so. But Sacco though is really like I saw her playing obviously a few weeks ago as well, and she's like in, in incredible form at the moment too. And she's really like a proper like hot streak type of keeper, but Emil Emil Nielsen esque in her hot streak, and she's a a good motivator as well. So excited to see what she can do. Do we think Slovenia can take a a next step because they? Uh, Again, at that Euros showed that they were a really strong team. They've continued to have good performances, um, but not maybe not quite reaching the heights um, uh, from that Euros. Um, in the meantime, uh, and Krim have become a top Champions League club in the meantime, which is where yep. most of Slovenia's cool. players come from. So do you think that is... There's a chance that Slovenia can can do something a little bit more. Well, you've seen them a lot. Oh, yeah, right? I mean, I'd like to think so, but like, I know obviously when you look at the amount of Krim players in the squad, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten Krim players. So in terms of consistency and work with Dragan Azic, who also is the Krim coach, obviously, you'd like to think that there's going to be some sort of synergy there. And then the players that do bring in, like Anna Gross from from Gyur, who is going to be in Krim next season and has played for Krim in the past, has that DNA inner as well so I'd like to think so but you were talking about Sweden earlier and maybe Slovenia are a bit like the Swe- the, the Sweden bought of wish um, that they're going to have a few good results but then really when it comes down to it they're not really going to go too far and I'd, uh, I'd like to think so because I do like uh, this project but uh, I, fa- I, I, like, I fail to see them really troubling the, the really big teams yeah the the problem for them is they have to beat either France or Norway mm. to get into the quarterfinal. Yeah, <laughs> mm. that, is, that is a huge yeah. task. Yeah. But um, they had that big win against Denmark. But, was it in the Euro, I think? Was it the opening game in the Euro? They did. They obviously have yeah. a big result in them, but to beat to beat Norway or, or France, yeah, that's that's another. Again, in, in the Euros, a, they, they lost by three to Norway in the yeah. main round. So, home. Of course, but they won't be. They won't be too. They won't be too far off for sure. Um, but yeah, it's going to be tough. And a uh, big absentee for them is Elizabeth Omaregi as well, who yeah, played a big part. She um, she was last big, year. Yeah. 
We'll wrap up now, as we love to do, as we always do, with our predictions. And uh, gold, silver, bronze, an MVP. Okay. And any, any other random questions you want to throw in there, bro? No, no. I just like, It's like the first time ever I've actually worked it out. Uh, mm-hmm. Winners of the group. Winners of the main round. Oh, okay. I've already gone for it this time. Talk us through it. Talk us through it. Okay, so I have, from group A and B, I have Sweden and Hungary in that order, winning group one. So obviously top in both of their groups. And then Sweden and Hungary being top of group one. Then I have Norway... Ah, yes, I'm kind of changing my mind now a bit, but probably have Norway and France, number one and two, and top in group two. Then I have Denmark, or sorry, uh, Denmark, yeah, and Germany, top of uh, number one and number two in group three, with Japan in in the third position. And then I had the Dutch and Spanish leading group four. So number one and number two in group four. So then we have a Sweden-Germany quarterfinal, with maybe I'm changing my mind now maybe <laughs> maybe it's going to be Germany winning that now I'm not sure anymore I said Sweden originally but maybe Chris you've, you've turned me a bit uh, actually no but I will say Germany <laughs> I'll go for Germany winning that quarter final Norway Spain Norway going to win that Denmark Hungary that's a nightmare for for Hungary I think that's just not a good matchup so I think Denmark are going to going to win that then it's the Dutch versus the French and I think that's also likewise a terrible matchup for the Dutch they're also, I think, building to something else. So I think France are going to win that. So then we have the semifinals of Germany-Norway, which Norway are going to do that, going to do the job there. And then Denmark versus France, huge match. And then I think I'll pip Denmark to beat France. So then we have, <laughs> what I said earlier on, we have a Norway-Denmark final. And I'm going to go for... Uh, I'm going to go for Norway. I was as boring as it is. It's not what I want, but I think Norway are going to do it. So Norway, Denmark, and then for bronze medal, I'm going to say France. Top scorer, Natalie Hagman, with uh, 140 goals. And <laughs> no, Natalie Hagman with 68 goals. MVP, Henny Reistat. And what else did you want to hear? That's that, it. Okay. That's good. There you go. Disagree or agree? Does that make sense? Silence. Still doing Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm completely doing my math here. Okay. Uh, but I think right. you, it I, is the likely I, path you've you've laid out, Brian. Yeah, I, I kind of I, I'm not feeling any big surprises somehow. I don't know why, and I don't know where they would be. Like Hungary and Denmark was one I was thinking. Could Hungary do so, do the job there? But I, I just don't see it. I really don't see it. Spain versus Norway. I don't see it, anything happening there either. There's one um, in the quarterfinal lineups. There's a pretty much agree with you fully. Maybe one danger for Germany is is Japan. The group with Japan, yeah. and also they don't always get the job done against Poland. Um, so Japan potentially sneaking in there behind Denmark in uh, in that main round group, and then they would face Sweden. I think. Uh, you know, Sweden and Germany just played each other twice in test matches and of course you know disclaimer about test matches proven by the fact that there were two wildly different results Ugh. Germany won one of them by three and Sweden won the next one by I think five I think Sweden will will get into a semi-final against German uh, ahead of Germany which is what I kind of hinted at earlier I don't like they they have the 
the best route there, even though they're maybe not one of the top four teams, they have the best matchup uh, in the quarterfinal for them. Then maybe the Dutch would give France some trouble, but not enough trouble. So I'm going to go, it's Denmark's year. I said, mentioned in the last podcast, it's Denmark's year. They're winning gold ahead of beating Norway in the final. France will get bronze. So same top three, just the final finalists swapped around. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I feel like we're lacking surprises, but I don't know, I, I can't, I don't know where they're going to come so, from. So I, I'm going yeah. to give a surprise here. Um, okay, good. Go on. Because in general, I kind of agree with those. And, you know, maybe Germany can, can have a surprise against France or something. But let me see. And I was trying to work it out. So that's why it's taken me a long time. But um, I think France are, might beat Norway in the main round. So um, France and Norway will top their groups. They're going to beat every team in that main round, come up in a big game against each other to get a quarterfinal place. And I think France beat Norway because Norway haven't ramped up to the highest level yet. I think France will ramp up higher and quicker. So at that moment in time, France beat Norway. Norway still go through to the quarterfinal, but then they play the Netherlands. Uh, while France play, I I'm going to say Brazil, actually, and uh, not Spain. So I I'm sticking with this side of the draw because I think this is the interesting one. I kind of agree with the other side um, of Denmark kind of get and Germany getting through. And then... Then we're kind of that that quarterfinal between Netherlands and Norway, who have been a little bit rocked. That's that's another kind of dangerous step for for Norway. Am I gonna say that? Say it. <laughs> I, can I say that they're gonna? They might get knocked yeah. out to the Netherlands there in a good old forty-three to forty-two after extra time. Well, one of those Below, barnstormers, like, barnstormer. Exactly. Um, yeah. That's the way I see Norway being knocked out because if they, I think if they beat France in the main round, they win the whole thing. Essentially, yes. they they just gain in confidence, gain um, all those players that we talked about will gain like Henry Reistad, Katrine Lund's going to come in, Celia Solberg, all these players who are ramping up, they're going to ramp up and get to the highest level, and then they will beat Denmark again. But if they lose to France in that main round match, they might get knocked out um, almost there Rumble. and then. And then it opens everything up. Wow. Okay. So you're saying Norway. Oh, wait. What are you saying then? What's your actual uh, so, so that, that's, where, that's where I'm... <laughs> you gave two alternative universes, but which one are you calling for? <laughs> it's real brain camping of you. <laughs> All the options. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, then. So we have, oh God, I'm trying to, trying to work it out here. No, just give us gold, <laughs> silver, bronze. Come on. It's going to be Denmark, Netherlands, France. Okay. You saw a lot of, and you, saw, I mean, you saw the Netherlands play when we were over for that, for that Euro game, uh, Chris. Yeah. Did, it, did they strike you a team that could get a medal? They didn't really strike me, to be honest. Looked a bit um, cumbersome. Not yet. You know, no, it wasn't their best, but they do have... Uh, in terms of the pure names, yeah, I don't know. I think we'll we'll talk more about the Dutch later in the turn. Like 
they they're in the softest quarter of the group uh, of the tournament. So they'd be happy with that. You know, they they also have a chance to really build into yeah. it and, and ramp up. Um, I didn't give my MVP, and neither do you, yet, Alex. I'm going for Sandra Toft MVP. Christina Jorgensen. That's a good shout, actually. I feel like I've all right. Guess, yeah, I won't. Well, I was going to say I changed mine because it's so like. She probably. She probably... Uh, sorry, somebody. Somebody has to go go yeah. for Norway and yeah, the so That's true. okay. Uh, that's okay. That's yeah, you this time. All right, that was the journey. Uh, thank you so much, lads, and uh, thank you everyone who who listened. And also uh, follow us on Patreon. A shout out for Enos Guazina, one of our latest followers on Patreon, uh, signed up for this month, and you can too. Just go to patreon.com forward slash handball hour and uh, join us for what is going to be a big month ahead as we have normal podcasts and bonus podcasts just for the Patreon subscribers throughout the championship as well. But until then, enjoy the start. Enjoy the three opening days of the championship, everyone. I don't get it. Doesn't make sense. (laughs) That's just the first round. We'll catch you at some point later in in the opening round. (laughs) 